0: Hello everyone, thank you for joining us to this uh, ECR podcast. Um, We are very happy to have you here today. Um, My name is Peter Ong, I'm a cardiologist from Stuttgart in Germany, and I'm joined here by my co-host Andreas Seitz, who's also from the same institution. Um, We've been asked to talk about uh, two recent studies who came out at the TCT 2020 Um, These studies are the target FFR and the defined flow study, and they both reflect the increasing interest in coronary physiology in recent years. As you may have seen, both of these studies have meanwhile been published in the European Heart Journal um, and the journal Jack Interventions. And we would like to start with the target FFR study, which we will discuss um, in the first place. And um, Andreas, perhaps you can tell us something about the background of this um, really landmark trial who has um, recently been published as I earlier said.
1: Sure. Well, um, target FFR was a study that built up on previous studies that have demonstrated a predictive value of FFR in the post-PCI setting. However, no study has yet prospectively investigated um, uh, FFR-guided post-PCI optimization of the stenting, And so the objective of target FFR was to assess whether further FFR-guided optimization following PCI is superior to angiography-guided PCI, which is considered standard of care.
0: Um, all right, so what can
1: you tell us about the study design of the target FFR trial? This was a single-center investigator-initiated trial, um, randomized and partly blinded, and uh, the investigators included patients with stable angina or non-ST elevation infarction who underwent PCI. Um, They randomized uh, into two groups. One was the FFR-guided optimization group where optimization was performed after PCI, depending on post-PCI FFR value. And the second group was the control group where PCI was performed angiography guided only. Um, Optimization was performed if there was a focal pressure drop during post-PCI FFR pullback, um, either um, within the stand or in another lesion in the target vessel. So the primary endpoint of the study was the rate of optimal post-PCI FFR result, which was defined as an FFR at the end of the procedure um, higher than 0.9. Secondary endpoints were the rate of suboptimal post-PCI FFR, which was defined as a final FFR below 0.8, and target vessel failure, as well as symptom improvement during follow-up.
0: So after we have now heard the design of the trial, I'm really curious to hear the results of the trial. And I heard that it was difficult to recruit um, a high number of patients. So um, what can you tell us about the
1: results? Yes, there are some challenges. In the beginning, more than 700 patients um, consented for participation due to several reasons. Um, In the end, 260 patients underwent blinded post-PCI FFR measurements and were uh, randomized into the two groups. And among these 260 included patients who underwent FFR measurements after PCI, almost two-thirds had post-PCI FFR below 0.9. Optimization was finally performed in 40 patients who were eligible Um, And the mean FFR in these patients where optimization was performed improved from 0.76 to 0.82. The primary outcome, um, which is, as I earlier said, the proportion of patients with a final FFR higher than 0.9 was reached in 38% of the optimization group and in 28% of the control group. This difference was statistically not significant and thus the study failed to demonstrate superiority of the FFR guided optimization compared to angiography guided PCI.
0: Wow, that sounds very interesting. And I think we have a lot of points that we can discuss here. Um, Let's start with the the positive aspects of the trial. What, What can you tell us about uh, the positive aspects?
1: Well, first of all, um, I think there's a very well designed trial that covers a highly relevant topic. I think um, every interventional uh, cardiologist knows the problem of having suboptimal post PCI results. And, you know, the question is what to do with it. Um, and also, this study shows that two-third of patients had suboptimal post-PCI FFR, uh, which shows that it's highly prevalent in daily clinical practice. Um, another positive aspect is that there's at least a non-significant trend towards a better final FFR in the optimization group, um, even though it, this was not significant. Um, and the secondary endpoint of final FFR below 08 was significantly less frequent in FFR-guided optimization group, which at least shows that there's some benefit um, from this procedure.
0: Yes, I think this is quite important for all interventionists who are performing um, PCI, including um, FFR, um, that this is, after the procedure, um, sometimes challenging to, to do it. But if you do it, then you can really think about how these values influence your uh, management of the patient. Um, Andreas, what about the limitations or challenges of the target FFR trial?
1: Yeah, there were some challenges uh, for the investigators. We already said that um, there were a lot of dropouts from the initially consented patients. Um, So more than 50% of the patients um, dropped out at any point during the the pre-procedure or during the procedure uh, due to various reasons. And optimization was not performed in almost 60% of patients who were considered eligible according to FFR below 0.8 after the PCI. But um, optimization was only performed on operator Um, interpretation or um, there were some factors that limited the patients that were finally um, optimized with post-PCI optimization. Um, Furthermore, there were um, no differences regarding the symptoms after PCI, which was also the secondary endpoint during follow-up. So this is an important limitation um, that eventually we all want to try to improve symptoms in our patients, especially in patients with stable angina before PCI. Um, And the optimization did not show any benefit regarding symptoms during uh, follow-up. Um, and there was only one target vessel failure during the follow-up period, um, so there were not enough data, and um, so far no evidence that there is a clinical benefit during short-term follow-up by performing the post-PCI optimization guided by FFR. Um, yeah, so we we can again summarize: um, the trial failed to demonstrate a value of FFR-guided post-PCI optimization regarding the primary endpoint. But nevertheless, the trial should be than it was originally expected during the trial design.
0: Well, thank you very much for the discussion of the target FFR trial. Um, Do you think that this way of um, assessing patients um, will further be evaluated
1: in other trials? Is there anything on the horizon? Yeah, there are a couple of studies on the horizon also running right now. Um, For example, there's the FFR-REACT trial um, that uh, compares FFPCI, FFR, and will then uh, perform an IVS-guided uh, optimization strategy. So there's, um, there's some other studies on the horizon level. We'll, uh, we're looking forward to seeing these studies and the results.
0: Well, thank you very much. We will um, now talk about the second study that we have selected from TCT2020, uh, which is the defined flow study. Um, This study was recently published in Jack Interventions, um, and we will um, start the discussion of the trial with the background, which is rather complex, um, because there is um, an ongoing debate whether fractional flow reserve or coronary flow reserve is superior in grading the prognostic relevance of coronary stenosis. For some of you... This might not be so easy to understand because uh, pressure wire measurements are usually performed in um, in cases where the um, where ischemia is not already shown on invasive testing, but before which is the real measure of coronary flow and the ability of the vessels to dilate um, has has been the mainstay of assessing stenosis and and um, thus the FFR currently used is a surrogate of flow. So the investigators um, in, in this study defined flow. They were aiming um, at, um, to show that there is no difference between a group of patients with intermediate stenosis where FFR and CFR is normal and another group where FFR is abnormal but the CFR is um, normal. So the microvascular integrity, you could also say a healthy microcirculation um, should be predictive of good outcome. That was one of the, the questions in this study.
1: That sounds interesting. So you want to tell us a little bit about the methods that the investigators use?
0: Yes. Um, so this was a prospective and multi-center study Um, There were patients with stable angina and intermediate, more than 50% epicardial stenosis. And the protocol um, defined that in all patients, combined measurements of FFR and CFR had to be made because these two measurements were then relevant for the uh, different groups that, that were made uh, so um, this was the interventional part. And the only group that underwent, underwent PCI was the group where FFR and CFR were both abnormal. All other three groups, they were uh, treated medically, but they were not treated with uh, the PCI. And there was a two-year follow-up with the primary endpoint, um, a combination of all cause death, MI, PCI and cabbage, and the secondary endpoint was the target vessel failure.
1: Great. So what were the results uh, that the investigator observed?
0: Um, Yes, it's a bit difficult just to explain it verbally, but what we can um, say is that the best prognosis was observed in the group with concordant normal FFR and CFR. So that sounds pretty clear. If FFR and CFR are normal, then the patient has a good prognosis. Um, and the worst prognosis was observed for patients with concordant abnormal FFR and CFR. Those were the patients who underwent revascularization using PCI, but still they had the worst prognosis. Um, the aim of the trial was then to compare those patients with concordant normal FFR and CFR with those with abnormal FFR and preserved CFR, and they were not able to show a non-inferiority. So regarding this endpoint, patients with abnormal FFR and preserved CFR still had um, an elevated number of events. So regarding this endpoint, the trial was... Um, was not non-inferior, so to say. Um, The secondary endpoint, which was target vessel failure, um, was also assessed, and there was the highest rate of target vessel failure in those with abnormal FFR and normal CFR, but of course these patients did not undergo PCI per protocol, and this is perhaps one of the reasons why these patients um, frequently had Um, PCI, And the statistics that were performed revealed that the FFR was a predictor of events, but the CFR was not.
1: Okay, that sounds like a really complex topic, but interesting results. Um, There have been some previous studies that um, investigated CFR and FFR in intermediate lesions. Um, let's discuss a little bit about the novel results and what, what did the previous study show?
0: Yes, the results of the defined flow study are quite surprising because previous study had shown that microvascular integrity as assessed by CFR is um, of prognostic relevance. And previous studies have shown that patients with a normal FFR but reduced CFR have an impaired prognosis, and these data also exist from non-invasive studies. So the expectation was that patients with a reduced CFR had a worse prognosis, and those with a preserved CFR would have a prognosis similar to patients in whom whom both FFR and CFR are normal. But that was not the case in the study, and the question is, Why was that and how can we explain the results?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. I guess no one of us uh, can answer that at this point, Um, but we'll need more data to see um, where the truth is, if it was due to um, differences in patient populations um, or angiography differences. Uh, Well, um, the target lesion lesion failure was a secondary endpoint um, that was also different between the two groups uh, and was mainly driven by revascularization. Um, What do you think about this endpoint or this result?
0: Well, as I already said, um, this is um, an endpoint uh, happened quite frequently in the group with an abnormal FFR and normal CFR. um, but also in in the group where where the FFR was negative and the CFR was positive. So it's quite difficult to say. Um, The bottom line is that only patients where both values were abnormal underwent PCI. So the rest did not undergo PCI and we have no group for comparison where PCI was performed. So that's a bit difficult to interpret.
1: Okay. Um, is there anything else than CFR that we can use in clinical practice nowadays for the assessment of microvascular dysfunction? Um, yes, there is. Um, as you perhaps
0: know, there are uh, some new techniques that have been used um, for assessment of microvascular resistance. Uh, it can be done uh, using the Doppler technique or the thermodilution technique, the um, microvascular resistance, is independent of baseline flow, um, and that is why these these measurements are perhaps um, useful um, in these patients, and and we don't know the results of these measurements as they have not yet been reported.
1: Great, thank you. So I think we can conclude and summarize some take-home messages from the two studies that we just discussed. Uh, I think the good news up front is that the field of invasive coronary physiology is moving forward with these two landmark papers that have been published in the European Heart Journal and Czech Interventions. Uh, and the the papers or the studies show that as well, single center studies as well as multi center studies um, are feasible, not only focusing on IFR and FFR, but also including CFR um, in the procedure. And, and this is feasible, but we also learned that um, there are some challenges uh, with these coronary physiologies, physiology indices. Um, and I think we need future studies and more data to see um, uh, where we're going, which direction. Yes, that's
0: right. Another important take home message is that um, all these studies are now published after the landmark ischemia trial has been published. And the ischemia study showed that there is no difference in heart clinical endpoints uh, in patients with stable angina when they go undergo revascularization compared to optimal medical therapy. And the current follow-up, which is available, is 3.5 years. So we have to take into account that all these efforts we are currently discussing, they must be considered in the context of symptomatic treatment of patients with stable angina, and prevention of heart events. As for example, there was only one um, event in the target FFR trial. Um, The prevention of heart events is not the topic here. So it is symptomatic improvement of the patients. And there are other studies like Orbiter 2 currently ongoing. So perhaps um, this is also a good idea to focus more on soft endpoints I know that in Orbiter 2, um, the angina is a very important endpoint and also patient-reported outcome measures, they are now coming more and more into focus, which is something that we will see more in the future. Is there anything else you wanna add, Andreas? No, I think, I think I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you very much for, um, for discussing these two studies. It was a pleasure um, to talk to you today. And we would like to finish with um, the suggestion to to listen to the next podcast in next month. And we hope to see you soon on the ECR podcast channel. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening. Bye.